strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Nothing says Merry Christmas like a little blue oyster cult. Let's just get that out in the open. Um, Little Godzilla. All right. Thanks for being here today. Uh, Merry Christmas from the Mike Broomhead Show. We are winding down our year here and uh, jobless claims. uh, Another 206,000 individuals filed claims rising from a 52 year low. We're still in a very good position. So nobody is running into the streets and screaming recession. Um, but we are seeing a shift at a time when you see temporary jobs available, seasonal, they call it, because of the season. We are seeing an increase in people looking for uh, unemployment. That's not a good sign. I wouldn't call it disastrous, but it's not great. Um, a survey suggests that the great resignation will continue in the next year, which means many people are resigning from jobs they are in now and looking for other opportunities. So I, I will tell you that this is why I am a capitalist. I believe in giving. I am blessed to be in a position to give at all. And I think that when you have the feeling of giving, um, I'm starting, I'm going to sound like Ebenezer Scrooge here at the end of the show. Um, but it, it's the idea that when you start to give and you can get that feeling, then you want to do it again and you want to do it more. It's like the move. This is like the speech that Bill Murray gave at the end of Scrooge. Um, and you just want more of it. And, and, There is so much of that around this community that when there is a need, I have always been amazed that no matter how much economic trouble people can be in, when you go on the air and say there's a need in this area, people are so inclined to give. And I love it. I think that is the best about who we are. So the more discretionary income people have, the more ability they have to give to the people around them. And it just makes us better. It's why it's why I am a capitalist. And when you have right now a seller's market when it comes to employment, when there are more jobs than there are employees, you have opportunity. This is your chance to, if you don't like the job you're in because you have an employer that's not treating you like you believe you should be treated, you don't think you're going to have the advancement opportunities, you're not making enough money, whatever it is, now is your opportunity to jump out, spread your wings, and do something different. And, um, you know, the best in who we are is when we pull for each other. You know, when you're working with someone that you admire, but they have a great opportunity, it's a loss for you, but it's it's a, such a huge success for them. And that's what a good economy provides. And that's what this economy is providing for people. So on one hand, you're seeing more people apply for unemployment. That's ticking up a little bit, which it shouldn't be doing. But the success rate or the the ability to transfer to something successful is better now than it's been in a long time, which is why I hated the Build Back Better bill, which is why I hate inflation, because what it does is it rich people are going to stay rich. Let's resign ourselves to this. We all know that the rich get richer. The stock market did really well under George W. Bush, and then the crash happened. And then the stock market recovered really well under Barack Obama. And the stock market continued to do really, really well under Donald Trump. And in spite of, during the Trump administration, we watched a nosedive in the stock market, and it came back during that Trump administration. And now we've got the Biden administration, and the stock market is still doing well. The rich are going to get richer. So the inconvenience of policy shifts on the rich is just that, an inconvenience. 
the effect to the economy of the middle and working class is what we all should be concerned about. Rising inflation is hurting you. And it hurts me to a certain degree. The wealthy, it's an inconvenience. The small business owner that's struggling with vehicles on the road to put gas in those vehicles, that's who it hurts. Amazon's got plenty of money for their vehicles, their delivery vehicles. Let's be honest. And it doesn't mean it does. they don't feel the impact, and it doesn't mean it, but that's another thing that makes your costs go up. I saw an interesting poll, and this is connected to the economy in a way, and it also has to do a lot with the border that I thought was interesting. Equus Labs, a Democratic polling firm, according to NBC. So this is a Democratic NBC poll, released a National Post mortem survey, found that 49% of Hispanic voters approve of reducing legal immigration and 51 support uh, 51% support limiting refugee and asylum and another 42% support more deportations and 39% approve of building a border wall along the US border only 28% of those surveyed approve of family separations so they don't like families being separated and you know um you generalizing is is a horrible thing to do but when you talk about um the Hispanic culture as we know it um and and it's 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 a great thing so family oriented and and understanding that the nucleus the nuclear family that 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 nucleus is what is so solid and it's one of the things i loved growing up my best friend's parents were from mexico and they took me in and kind of saved me and um i was being raised by a work, working single mom i was a maniac running around on the streets on my own his house felt like a home. His mother made it feel like a home. And what you're seeing is this poll says that the uh, Hispanic voters, Latino voters, are fleeing from the Democratic Party. A 40-year-old Democrat said he changed his mind on Trump in 2020 because he was doing things rather than just talking about issues. Um, Hispanic voters overwhelmingly support Trump's tax cuts by 69% approval. The survey found that 66% support reopening the economy. On the issue of cutting social spending, 45% of voters say they support that policy. Over three quarters, 77% support COVID stimulus checks, 74 rapid vaccine uh, development, and a survey found that 62% support COVID policies being set by the states and not the federal government. So what you are seeing is a shift with Latino voters, and it matters in Arizona. I've been in Arizona almost 28 years, and we all understand that you don't get to a majority of anything in Arizona without a large chunk of Latino support. And when you look at this nationally and you see a shift from the Democratic Party this dramatic to the policies of Republican candidates, I guarantee you that politicians are looking at those numbers and are marveling at them. That is a dramatic shift worth looking into, no doubt. We had a conversation. We're going to kind of reset this a little bit because we had a conversation partially about the border with Congressman Andy Biggs this morning. We also talked about the Build Back Better bill, which has been concerning 
everyone. So we're going to talk about that Build Back Better bill in a moment, what the congressman said about its status for the rest of the year, and the possibility of of it coming back next year. All that's coming up in a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. See, I think you finally, nobody could ever get me to stop talking for very long. This is how. Play a third day song. Listen to this voice. It's crazy. The stars dancing in the night with the as big as a cow. All right. Thanks for being here. I guess we got to do the show. Um, that's Mac Powell in Third Day. Uh, Mac Powell is now doing solo stuff, but he was the lead singer of the band's Christian band, Third Day. Highest grossing Christian band of all time. That's their album, Christmas Offerings. All traditional great Christmas songs. If you want a great Christmas album for next week, I'm telling you, it is the best. It's called Christmas Offerings. Um, Anyway, uh, thanks for being here. Merry Christmas from the Mike Broomhead Show. Um, I had an interesting conversation with Andy Biggs, with Congressman Biggs earlier today. And I want to start off by letting you hear, um, if I can find it, I'm going to let you hear um, a little bit of what um, Lindsey Graham was on uh, with Hannity last night. And uh, Lindsey Graham was talking about the Build Back Better bill. And this is Graham's opinion of the bill. Yeah, I think Build Back Better is dead forever. And let me tell you why. Because Joe Manchin has said he's not going to vote for a bill that will add to the deficit. Well, if you do away with the budget gimmicks, Build Back Better, according to the CBO, adds $3 trillion to the deficit. He doesn't want to vote for a bill that makes inflation worse. And one thing we haven't talked about tonight, but was mentioned today, the child care provisions in Build Back Better prohibit religious institutions from receiving money. So, you know, the the policies, the devil is always in the details. So part of, you know, the policies are in there. So I talked with Congressman Biggs this morning and I asked him, do you believe that the Build Back Better bill is dead forever? It's dead for this year, I believe. I don't know if I would say forever because a lot of times these things have a second life. But I'm told that you might see something February-ish, late January, some pared-down version. But right now, consider it dead. It's going to take a lot of movement. And, you know, the pieces, Mike, are just too amazing. So if Manchin does come on, there's going to have to be some wholesale changes in that bill. And when those changes get put in the bill, then the progressives in the House, when that bill comes back, they're not going to support it. So, you know, Lindsay's on to something. I wouldn't say it's dead forever, though. So this is where you look at the balance of power and the shift in the balance of power and how so many people are looking at the changes that are coming. Um, and, and the shift is coming from, I believe, not just bad policy, although I think it's bad policy, but horrible timing on that policy. The American people are very concerned about inflation. And when you when you say to the American people, we are going to spend a couple of trillion dollars and it's not going to cost you anything. It's not going to add to the deficit. People just inherently don't believe it. You can't just make two trillion or three trillion dollars magically appear. So people don't believe that's true. You hear experts, uh, Danny Seiden, who is with the Arizona Chamber of Commerce, he's the CEO of the Arizona Chamber of Commerce, uh, it was talking about inflation 
And when you talk about the Build Back Better bill, as a matter of fact, I'll let you hear what Danny said this morning. He was on with Arizona's Morning News and said this about inflation and the Build Back Better bill. The dollar is not going as far this year for shoppers. We're hearing that story a lot, and that's because of inflation. Jim, I know you've touched a lot on this on your show. We have the highest inflation in decades. We always say Jimmy Carter level inflation is what we're seeing right now. So these dollars just aren't going as far. You mentioned one problem, it's supply chain, you know, we have, and also it's an influx of too many dollars. You have too many dollars chasing too few goods, which leads to a devaluation of the dollars. So consumers are feeling that. They're feeling that when they're buying their gifts, they're feeling it when they're buying their food and gas as well. So that's, that's a little bit of the pinch on the downside that we're seeing. What we've been focused on at the chamber, and what you'll hear some ads from us are on trying to stop the bill known as Build Back Better, which would pump even more money in, and what we would believe would negatively impact our economy even more. So... Again, depending on your political ideology, you tend to lean one way or the other as far as these things go. But logic would say to most people, which is why most people don't like this, that when you're in a financial crisis and inflation is a financial crisis, you don't spend more money. And what's happening right now is the Build Back Better bill is supposed to create all of these jobs. We've got 3.6 million jobs that Americans are not doing So we've got this low unemployment rate. People are fully employed and you're going to push more cash in other directions by confiscating the discretionary income of businesses. One of the other things that that Biggs was talking about was the other thing in the details of this about the IRS. Part of their cost coverage is added revenue through going after small and large businesses with many more IRS agents believing they're going to recruit recoup billions more dollars from businesses. So once again, they're going to say to you out there, the small business owner, they're saying to you, not only are we going to raise your taxes back to the rates they were before the the, the uh, Trump tax cuts, we're going to come after you. We're going to audit you. We're going to go back and look at your taxes over the last few years. We're going to cost even more money to you by bringing your accountants in and what that's going to cost to do the audit. And we're going to squeeze some more money out of you for past years. Now, the other side of the political aisle would say about that, well, they should. That's paying their fair share. You've got to... Taking money out of the economy is never a good idea. Whether it's through inflation, which it's doing because you are sucking the discretionary income out of individuals, families and small businesses where they can't spend it on things they want to because all of their money is being spent on things they need to spend money on or if it's taxation by taking it away by virtue of taxes. I don't think it's a good idea. It's been proven time and time again that it's not a good idea. That doesn't mean that I don't believe in benevolence, that I don't believe in caring for people, that I don't want people to be able to, uh, that I don't care whether families have child care. All of that is stupid to say that people don't care about that. But what you are doing at the sacrifice of the many is pointing out the needs of the few. There's other ways to do a lot of those things. And that's what we're not looking at. This is all about tax and spend. Take from the rich, give to the poor, redistribution of wealth. And that doesn't work. So now, I mean, that's where I stand on this. Coming up in a moment, uh, crime and punishment. I talked about this a little earlier, but maybe some more detail here. Is it the right thing to do? I'm going to let you hear from the Pima County attorney and what they are doing with criminals in the COVID-19 era. All that's coming up in just a moment. 
strong values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. If you have not subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast, you can do it right now. It is very, very simple to do, and it doesn't matter what kind of a device you had. They make it simple for everyone. You'll never miss a minute of the show. It's the Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you this week by Retirement Planners of America. So let's talk about uh, this crime and punishment idea. I want you to hear from the Pima County attorney um, talking about who they they are releasing people and they're not charging people. So let's start with the not charging people. And here's what's happening. Jails and nursing homes and assisted living are the kinds of environment that once COVID gets in there it burns like wildfire it just spreads and it's it's impossible to get it back out they, the, she was on with a uh, k-gun the tv station down in tucson so they are not charging low-level drug offenders and, and i want to get to in a moment why it's so important because i talked earlier about that but also they're releasing people we're doing this in a very responsible way we are talking about completely non-violent low-level simple drug possession and other low-level cases in the jail where it is safe to release and monitor as we should be in general so nonviolent offenders there is a there is this is kind of the turmoil for me i don't know how you feel about this i believe that people are redeemable i believe in second chances but i also do you know fool me once is you start doing things over and over again um and i don't want to convolute and make things political with what's happening with uh with this young phoenix police officer but the suspect, and I say suspect, he's the shooter. It's on body cam video. I can call him the shooter. The shooter of this police officer. You know how many times this guy's been convicted of violent crimes? Aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, aggravated robbery with a deadly weapon. Uh, all these different crimes he's been committed multiple times. Got sentenced for, I don't know, how many years in prison and only did five years or whatever it was. And they let this guy out, and now he is, and effectively, he's, you know, this officer is still alive, but he's not expected to live, committed that crime. So there is an element in people that are saying that bad people need to be kept off the streets. And I absolutely agree with that. Prison jail serves a few different functions. One of them is punishment. There's no doubt. You commit a crime in our society, there is a punishment aspect of it. But it's also separating dangerous people from the innocent people in society. That's another thing prison does. And the other would be rehabilitation, which I believe in. But when you are doing this in the name of COVID-19, are you making us a safer society? So let's say they're nonviolent criminals, let's say. But what if there's somebody, and I don't know the criteria fully, what if it's someone that's a career criminal? Um, there is a there's a woman there's a woman that was in the news that had been arrested like over a hundred times for shoplifting and she got arrested again. Business owners should not have to put up with this. You know, I, you walk into a convenience store and I've told the story and I'm not going to tell it all over again. But I stopped a couple of guys from shoplifting a few years ago because I just wasn't going to put up with it in my neighborhood. I want people to understand, and I think it, I, no one wants to be a vigilante. Certainly not me. But I want I want someone to understand. And I think as in society, if you commit a crime in front of honest people, you are not only going to face the police, you're going to face the honest people Um, on on the extreme side of this. 
Any of you that remember the the criminal, the Night Stalker in California, Richard Ramirez, was eventually caught. Richard Ramirez had family out here in Phoenix. He's from L.A., but was committing heinous murders all up and down in California from L.A. to San Francisco and had that state paralyzed with fear. It was just brutal. And he came to Phoenix, and when he returned home, they had his picture on the front page of the newspaper, and he realized that he was caught. Well, the police actually saved that guy's life because when average citizens saw that Richard Ramirez was the guy standing in front of them in the streets, the mob almost killed him. And the police actually had to save his life by taking him into custody. Now, I'm not advocating vigilantism, and I'm certainly not advocating beating up criminals. I'm saying that when the average person sees crime being committed, we're inclined to stop it. But that's why we want a police force. I don't want to have to do that. I don't want to intervene. I do not want to stop. I'm not a cop. I don't I'm not a police officer. I'm not a vigilante. I'm not any of those people. But when you go to a store every single day and you get to know the people that work there, you want them to feel safe. And business owners should not have to say, well, you know what? They're not a violent criminal. They're just a criminal that steals. So they're going to, you know, you're already hurting and struggling as a small business owner. And now they're going to turn people loose in the streets that are nonviolent, but they're still criminals. That's one element of this. The other element of this is about the drugs. Because the first step towards somebody getting help sometimes, and addicts will tell you, it's rock bottom, whenever rock bottom is for you. And for many people, with fentanyl being as damaging as it is here, and it's killing people, the huge increase in methamphetamines that we are finding crossing our border, that in southern Arizona, you're seeing the uptick in deaths, I believe, and I I don't want to be wrong about this, I believe that it is the number one killer in Pima County of children um, is fentanyl overdoses now, or it's a very high number, and I don't want to exaggerate, but I was reading a story about how the number of fentanyl deaths, fentanyl-related deaths, have skyrocketed. A lot of times, arrest is rock bottom. Many times, being arrested is rock bottom. And sometimes it's a DUI, other times it's a possession arrest, and then you're given an opportunity to get help, and people take advantage of that. Um, I've got people very close to me, people that I love very much that are recovering addicts, that have done it, that have turned their lives around. They are no longer criminals. They are no longer a drain on society. As a matter of fact, they've gone in the direction of helping people. So I'm not demonizing and I'm certainly not condemning for the rest of their life people that have committed crimes because of drug use or alcohol use. What I am saying is if there isn't intervention by law enforcement, that addiction festers many times and there is no avenue for help and there is no cry for help because they've got it all under control. We all know this with our kids. If you give kids a pass on bad behavior, that bad behavior festers. And then when you finally try to stop that bad behavior, it's a lot harder to do because it's already kind of a part of who they are. So I don't think this is a good idea at all. At all. The mayor of San Francisco gave a speech where she cursed, um, talking about the BS that's happening in the streets of San Francisco, And called for more aggressive policing. This is San Francisco. 
Why? Because the defund the police movement decimates police departments and it also emboldens criminals and they're watching the criminals take over the streets of that beautiful city. And it's something Phoenix better learn. The the citizenry supports law enforcement. City council, different story. So I think that you know we need to reach out and maybe make some changes at the city council level. What we're going to do coming up in just a moment is shift a little bit. We're going to talk about education. There was a Trump policy when he was president that said we are going to track teachers that molest students. The Biden administration was going to get rid of that data until they got shamed into keeping it. So I've got a couple of stories along those lines that are national education stories. That's coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate this, uh, that you join us for part of your day. Um, I've been pretty clear about this, and I guess I should keep saying it. When it comes to education, I have been so much more pro-education the older I get in life that I believe that the core education, the basics that a person needs is liberating. Um, The big fight in America for education years and years ago was the disparity between um, uh, white neighborhoods and white schools and schools of color before integration, before busing, before anything else happened. And I believe that part of the freedom that exists in people is the ability to be educated. And it doesn't matter is what it is that you want to learn. If you can't read, you're not going to learn it. And we, we know that people aren't writing in cursive and we understand spell check in the Internet. We understand the challenges to where you're not having to do it yourself, that the computer does it for you. All that poses a certain challenge. But education and the core basic education is liberating at some point in your life. For me, it wasn't until I turned 18 years old and got into the trades and realized I wanted to be an electrician. So um, I had basic math skills. They had to be much improved because everything's an algebraic equation. Being able to read blueprints and to be able to read what's called a spec book. You know, reading is a big part of it. Sound I know it sounds silly, but learning and being able to, especially transitioning into this industry, um, I read so much more now uh, every single day than I ever have in my life, and I wouldn't have been able to transition into this business if I didn't have the ability to read and retain. Like, And I'm very blessed for the teachers I had when I was young. My complaint is with the industry that education has become. It is a multi-billion dollar industry, and there are a lot of people who make a lot of money connected in this industry. Not teachers. We understand it's not the teachers, but there are a lot of people out there that are making bank and it has also become an industry. And the reason why I bring that up is because here is the story. Uh, The Biden administration said Monday it is withdrawing a proposal to stop a Trump era data collection on sexual assaults committed by teachers in U.S. schools. So there was a policy in which. The Trump administration said, we want to follow and track these predatory teachers and collect data on it. Will you tell me why that's a bad thing and who would it be a bad thing to? Well, it would be a bad thing to teachers unions. 
Because you see, when you track data on police officers that do the wrong thing, which they do, there's been this many crimes committed, this many use of force convictions, this many murders committed by police officers. What you can then do is demonize an industry. You can demonize an entire profession. You can say that there is systemic racism and we need to get rid of the entire uh, system as we know it and rebuild it from the ground up. Then you get the defund the police movement in education. I don't and I I honestly do not believe that there is a systemic problem where all teachers need to be retrained. I've said this many times, but we also know that bad people get into good industries and prey upon other people. There are bad people that no matter what you do, whatever background checks you use, whatever fingerprint system you use, there are people that are going to slip through and they are going to prey upon children. It's going to happen. So why would they want to get rid of this? They've stopped because they've kind of gotten shamed into stopping. But you don't think that it was the teachers unions that were behind the stopping of this data because they say the the other side of this says This just shows a bad thing about teachers, and it's going to be used against teachers when most teachers aren't like this. And I would say, I give you policing. The data is used against all cops. What happened to George Floyd was one of the most despicable acts I've ever seen, not just by a law enforcement officer. It was a it was at the very least one of the most careless acts I've ever seen by someone in a position of authority. And it was it was physically disturbing for me to see that happen. But it is no less disturbing when someone in a position of authority like a teacher takes advantage of a minor. And so why would you stop tracking that data? And it's because of the industry of education. That's why. Because the unions in, in, in public education give large amounts of money to political candidates and, and people that are in office and they didn't want it. There is a Missouri school district that's on the hook for four million dollars because they didn't let a transgender student use the desired restroom. That's still another big fight that's going on in America. That doesn't mean you're transphobic. What it means is kids have such a hard time with hormones and body image and everything else when they are developing and growing. That when you take someone that's an anatomical male and give them the option of using a girl's restroom or locker room, it messes with the girls and vice versa. That's what it means. Four million dollars in this school district and what it's costing them. So are we educating our kids? Are we giving them the core education or are we doing this good citizen stuff that distracts from the core curriculum that we should be giving these kids to empower them to be the next generation of leaders? It's always been my question. Coming up just after 11 o'clock, we're going to talk economy. We're also going to do Did You Hear This? But the economy, what is happening around the country and what is happening in Arizona? All of it next.